Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. You know, when you hear there's so many mistakes, I make so many mistakes, I hope people realize they're all Cindy's fault in technical difficulties, has nothing to do with me. She does it to make me look like an idiot. No. Here we are today, and we're very grateful. It's Liz, our friend, Liz Pollack. She wrote a book entitled Lost Restaurants of Santa Cruz County. Now, and it's so charming to read a book like this if you like, if you're like me and you like history and if you know the area. And one of the parts of the book is cocktails because she has cocktails that were popular in the 60s and the 70s in her book. And Liz was the one of the first women bartenders. Yes, working in a great restaurant in Santa Cruz in the 80s. So welcome, Liz. Thank you, Denise and Cindy, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about cocktails. And I am too. Now tell me, Liz, certainly you had a bird's eye view. Tell us about your research and what you think what's happened with cocktails in the last, I know that's a huge subject, but I'd like to hear your take on it. Well, my approach, uh, and because my range is from 1940 to 1990s, over the decades I see um, a lot of things going on. The restaurants, they had a connection with the local winery and the people who made the wines, and that was great. They had a very small selection of, you know, red or white, or the years that our Appalachians in, in Santa Cruz Vineyard in the mountains, that has been be become a tour and a big industry which is great. I, I enjoy that very much. Um, I think liquor licenses has to be the big feature because when a restaurant would change hands, the liquor license would come with. It would yeah. go with the sale. So the city of Santa Cruz, I think right now, there are no more liquor licenses. There's only 13 in a year that are available and they're done. They're gone. I mean, you oh. They're snapped up already. And, oh. and I'm sure that that goes with every small city, large city. Um, it may be changing because of this pandemic, but it's all very regulated now. You make a, a huge point that I hadn't thought of for a long time. Sometimes when a restaurant closes, the owner don't they, the the county or city freeze the they put the liquor license on a shelf but the owner can hang on to it until they sell it to someone else, can't they? Or they want to reuse it again? I'm not exactly sure about that. But so you're saying right now, there's only 13 liquor licenses in Santa Cruz County every year? In the city of Santa Cruz, they're snapped up. But yeah. you're right, it's very complicated and the, and the laws have changed and yeah. state, the state coordinates all of that in the county and uh, and they don't want that many establishments close too close to each other yeah the proximity to liquor stores you know how that is oh yes but i feel that another trend that i was i was looking for trends and that's why i chose three drinks per decade and i saw the the drinks that on my collection of cocktail menus I saw that they were ordered by patrons, that a hotel would advertise this cocktail, a favorite bartender would be famous for that cocktail. For instance, um, the Bloody Mary or the rum distributor. 
I had some extra rum. Let, let's push it for the season, for instance. Um, it was a good year for champagne. Let's, let's push the champagne cocktail. And it all uh, was a, uh, a reflection, of course, of the cuisine and the whole gestalt of the restaurant. If there was a separate lounge and a bar to the hotel, that was fantastic. And I wanted to bring up that, if I may, that for years, um, Santa Cruz hosted the Miss California pageant, which brought so many people in our town, brought a lot of money in our town. So a lot of people who stayed at the hotels, I mean, they liked to party, they, they enjoyed seeing each other and celebrating. That's huge. And you know what? I'd forgotten that, Liz, but I watched the Miss America pageant every year when I was a kid. My mother and I, my sisters and I would watch it. And you're right. And see, again, showing anywhere where there's going to be events, mm -hmm. I mean, through the history of the world, there's, you know, or wineries, there's going to be liquor sales. Sure. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I do remember in the olden days, and I also think in the in the 50s. So I was born in the 50s. And one of the big social things that I saw, my parents now, my parents did have a cocktail, Liz, at nighttime. Not every night. But once, my parents did have cocktails. And they would ha have it with their neighbors. That was the big deal. Do you know what I mean? That was their social time. And I think it was really important to my mother because she was stuck at home with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And she, she wanted that cocktail. But in the 60s, and again, boomer after the war, the economy, the way our culture was going, my father's business was doing well, and we bought a new house on a golf course, and Liz, it had a wet bar. Oh, well. Mm. Okay. And it, that was, I mean, I remember this because it was a big deal. And it was downstairs in the rumpus room, as they called them, which was a you know, so we had, the house was big enough that we had a living room, but also there was this room with less formal furniture. That wet bar had these louvered doors, and when they opened it, and those glass shelves with all those fancy, different glasses for different drinks. Sure. And I always say this to Cindy, and she laughs, I remember as a child thinking, we're really going somewhere now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a, a, a few years ago, I was bitten by the tiki bug. Oh, so I'm totally into all of the, the Polynesian, Caribbean, you know, the decor, all of the, the wet bars and the grass skirts. Yeah. I love it all. I love it all. And I collect personally um, a lot of Victor Bergeron, uh, Trader Vic's paraphernalia and memorabilia. I love it all. And his, his Mai Tai... His favorite thing to do was uh, call for shaved ice. It was fantastic. And he had, uh, he was hired by the Matson company to redesign and help with the presentation of the Royal Hawaiiana Bar in Honolulu. <gasps> so he really had, he spread his joy so many places. He has some great cookbooks. Yes. The first time I went to a Trader Vic's, and it was in San Francisco, but I was a teenager. My parents may have taken, I don't think my parents ever took us there. But when I went there and I saw the Polynesian, and they, it was a scorpion, 
and they put gardenias in that big drink that you had to share with like four people. Uh, I remember thinking, okay, this, I, I can get used to this. Is when we talk about changes in our society and our culture, before the internet, when all of this wasn't just a tap away, people see everything now. They can go online and go, oh, I went to, I went to Paris today. I, I, I watched the inside of the museum and I feel like saying, that's fabulous, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> sure. It's not the same thing. I mean, I always think that places like Trader Vic's or uh, Tiki Bars and all that stuff, we had it in the 80s, in, excuse me, the 60s again. I remember when we moved outside and my mother said, we're going to get a Tiki Bar. And I think we're also influenced by movies. And, yes, um, absolutely. You know, the, uh, the, the thin man always having a cocktail, William Powell and and the beautiful black and white movies where everyone dressed up to have a cocktail. Sure. And a lot of cocktails. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that has changed. That has changed. I feel over the years, getting back to your question, over the years, and I uh, have quite a collection of American bartending magazines, you know, the trade magazines where they emphasize the laws behind the DUIs, how it's, you really have to watch over pouring. You have to um, be aware of someone who's had a little bit too much, always have your coffee pot on. But in the early 70s, there was a, an invention, the Wonder Bar gun. So it only dispensed an ounce, and that's it. And that was kind of really cramped our style as a bartender because you know if it was a friendly sure. regular customer maybe you give him a jigger and a half or sure something. but with this wonder bar wonder bar gun for a hotel or for a convention this was the way to go this was to keep your your costs reasonable santa cruz um has a lot of conventions and it's reality. So on two things, you can't have somebody drive away drunk because that would uh, reflect back on the bartender and the, the restaurant. And number two, being able to keep the cost down. And maybe that was the only way you could stay in business is to understand where your money was going. And sure is not going to be helpful if your bartender gives away free drinks. And you know what? Liz, I, I have, you're making me think about a whole lot of things I haven't thought of for a long time. It's fascinating. I love it. And to this day, you know, it's so different. And you're right, because uh, drinking and driving, I mean, it's kind of like when you watch Mad Men on TV. Oh, yeah. People are drinking martinis at lunch and smoking, and then they're going back to their offices. Do you think, how much work did they get done? I mean, exactly. Exactly. And, and all of the recipes in my book are from the American Bartender School uh, and Mr. Boston, if I may say a name. So the ingredients have to be fresh. The measurements have to be perfect. And the glassware has to conform to, uh, it has to be the correct glass. I feel like my years of bartending, I saw People who didn't want, and there's one guy who said he didn't want any garbage. He didn't want any, you know, little olives or, or a cherry or a little, he didn't want any garnish at all. 
but um, the Long Island iced tea was really a great drink to, to pour. It was really pricey, but the person could nurse it for an hour. Yes. And yet it was good because, you know, it, people influenced each other to, oh, you should have this. I'll order for you. Uh, uh, Harvey Wallbanger was a big thing in Santa Cruz. I remember, listen, Liz, I'm no spring chicken. I remember when Harvey Wallbangers and what's the other one? The Tequila Sunrise. Sure. Those bright colors. I yeah. remember, was that the 70s or the 80s? Was the Early 80s. That was really super sweet, the Tequila oh, Sunrise. Super sweet. I love it, but it's like super duper yeah. sweet. <laughs> well, you just mentioned Long Island iced teas are still around. Oh, sure. I mean, that, it's still around. Sure. And they're expensive. That's one thing I've noticed the last 15 years is cocktails have just gone up, up, up. The, the price and I really feel that cocktails make, make, it, make any restaurant fun. I think cocktail recipes have gone up for an number of reasons. One, people don't order two or three like they used to. Do you know what I mean? Right. So the restaurants or the bars got to make some money on that only one sale. And sure. because people can't drive away from a bar after two or three <clears throat> drinks anymore because it's not safe and it's stupid, you know? Sure. And that's where taxis come into play. Um, where my restaurant that my experience was at was about 300 yards away from the county courthouse. Oh. So we, had, we had judges, lawyers, we'd hold juries come in for the banquet room <laughs> and then for lunches, but then um, they'd come back at a happy hour. I love the notion of happy hour. I love appetizers. I love that whole, you know, better order another before happy hour shuts down. I, I enjoy how liquor loosens people's tongues and starts the conversation and then maybe sharing stories that you wouldn't normally share with someone else. Uh, I, I mean, I have to say that's, that's one thing we're losing right now in the pandemic is that relaxing enough to be able to share something and give of oneself. Well, I think that alcohol, when you talked when you had a couple of drinks and you talk and be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> but, but, the, but I agree with you. This, now, I'll tell you what's interesting when you talk about happy hours. Yeah. See, I've moved to Ventura. So we moved out of LA proper yeah. uh, two, almost two years ago now. My husband and I are both semi-retired, if not all the way retired. And what we've noticed in Ventura, which is a very mixed income, area. Do you know what I mean? There's some very wealthy people. We're 30 minutes from Santa Barbara. There's a small college here. I mean, it's got every kind of person and a lot of people that have moved here from LA proper. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people as they're getting, you know, getting out of the crowded LA. Well, happy hours here have become huge at all the good restaurants, at the fun restaurants, and they, they have happy hour prices and happy hour drinks. And we go to, I mean, we know the happy hours here. <laughs> and that's where we meet right. our friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. We know when it opens. We know when they close. We yeah. know the girls' names that are waiting on us or the, the young man. 
I'm yeah. telling you, I love happy hour. Yeah, and and sometimes you do cocktail crawl, kind of like a pub crawl. Yes. Right. In Ventura, do they have one of those? Um, they're like like ten on a side. They're bicycling uh, pub crawls, and uh, I well, think some places like in Portland, Oregon, have one. I I love this idea. I know. I bet. I think Portland is one of the funnest cities in the world because of their food and their yeah. handcrafted beer and their yeah. pinot. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Ventura is very relaxed, but they have a very active chamber of commerce. So there's a whole lot of beer fest here, a lot of, you know, they have a lot of food and wine festivals and they're real, and they bring in live music and they bring in trolleys to take people to back to their cars, like to the harbor. So people are not driving all the time. It's very smart and it's very fun. So when all this mixologist has come about, Liz, in the past, so even after your book, when all of us, see, I just knew people as bartenders. And one day I was writing a cook, Cindy and I were writing a cookbook for a celebrity. And she said, oh, and Denise, I'll have the mixologist call you because she was including a couple of cocktails into it. And I said, the who? And she said, the mixologist. I wasn't even sure what that was. Do you know? And then I finally like said, you mean the bartender? And she said, yes. Sure, sure. I know. But I think it's just, isn't it just an innovation to, for something new in the industry? I mean, isn't that why everything, isn't it another way to sell an idea? Yeah, I feel that in my case, in my personal experience, I had a, like a, a key ring and I had these index cards and I just memorized everything, you know, hundreds of, you know, like a Tom Collins and a John Collins and all that stuff. And I wanted to get so good at it that as I, you know, when I graduated from the American Bartending School, I, I thought I'm going to uh, apply to all the fancy places on the wharf and, and in Capitola. And I didn't get them because they didn't have um, somebody who, like the person who hired me, this lady named Barbara Carmelini, she was the manager. Her parents owned it. Got it. And she took a chance on me because she knew that I would do my research and do my homework. And I had um, the nerve to, to ask. Yes, yes. And, and if somebody wanted something uh, like an obscure cocktail, I could do that, you know. And, yes. and it's not just, you know, hauling in the kegs of beer. And it's right. not just... Uh, wiping the glasses or the counter down. It's being able to listen to boring stories, the worst dirty jokes ever, watching boring. I'm sorry. I love, I love San Francisco Giants and, you know, I love the 49ers, but you know, the ad nauseum. And I wanted to also point out that a big thing for in the, in the eighties was to have MTV hooked up into oh, yes. <gasps> huge because you'd brought in the young people yes. who loved their music and it just brought in another generation. And when I'm in bars now, we, we go to, we don't go to many bars. We go to bars slash pubs. They're serving us food at the same time, Liz. You know sure. what I mean? There's a place in Ventura sure. called Dargan's that's been around forever. They make a great burger. They have 
all sorts of great special beers on tap. That's why my husband likes it. But what I don't like, and I have to find the table in the room, whatever's free, that I don't have to look at a TV. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to look at the TV, but I understand. I mean, even in really nice places now, they've sure. got a TV in the bar because, our, again, our culture has changed. It's like sure. more stimulation or they have to know what's going on. Do you know what sure. I mean? And there's, it's like there's good news and there's bad news. That's what I feel about stuff like that. Well, in my interviews um, with the managers and the bartenders, they're um, of the almost 200 restaurants that I cover in my book, there were some people who, the fav that favorite bartender, if he moved to another restaurant, brought in the same customers to that other restaurant. Um, in the Santa Cruz Hotel, which had been around for many years, there was a favorite John Rigetti and Gift of Gab. He was just, he brought out the best in you. He had the best jokes. He knew exactly what you wanted when you walked in the door. And uh, he knew your cocktail that yeah. you always wanted, you know, to order. And that kind of personality is, it, it, it brings in business to the restaurant. Of course. Always of course. had wine glass full. Oh, yes. I mean, what's to him? Just keep on filling that wine glass. That's fine when you're eating and um, maybe would suggest uh, another vintage or maybe you want to try this. Do me a favor. This is new to us. Will you try it? Yes. And tell me what you think. It, it was that personal connection. I love to hear these stories and, and it was a moneymaker for the owner. Of course. Now, I'm going to tell you my a horror story that I recently experienced. Joffrey's, which has been around in Malibu forever, okay? Joffrey's was in the 50s and 60s. Joffrey's has never changed. Ownerships have changed, the menus have changed, but that view of the Pacific Ocean has never changed. And down below the bungalows where President Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe and all sorts of famous people. It's magnificent restaurant. And the food now has gotten really good and different things. But this was my horror story. And I'm not saying this out of school because I told the manager that night when he asked me. So we were there meeting friends for dinner. Now, I like Manhattans. So I know that's kind of an old fashioned drink to people, but my God, bourbon's at an all time high. Certainly Manhattan, you know, it's a classic cocktail. If you call yourself a mixologist, I think you should know how to make a Manhattan. Sure. So the young man behind the bar says, I said, I, I, can you, do you make a good Manhattan when I order it? Because otherwise I would have, I, I asked people that, Liz. Otherwise I just order a glass of wine. Do you know what I mean? Because I know wines. I don't want a poorly made cocktail. And he said, oh, sure. And then I watched him and I thought, this kid does not know how to make a Manhattan. Uh-oh. And then when he passed it to me, he goes, oh, I don't have the cherries or anything out yet. Or, or a chilled glass. Does that matter? Oh. And I have to tell you, I said, yes, it does. But then I got this kind of thrown together drink and it wasn't very good. And I drank it. And then the um, bar manager, the host, I think of the restaurant came over and said, is everybody happy? I said, no. Oh, <laughs> I said, no, right. I need, sure. I need you to know, if you have to ask me what a Manhattan 
has got a cherry in it, okay? Sure. Right. And when you put an orange in it, that's an old fashioned, okay? So, but he, I said, so he didn't even put a cherry in it and it cost me 20 bucks. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, of course that's what it costs with a view of the ocean. So anyway, he took the drink off and then he sent me a glass of wine, which was fine. It wasn't about the money. I was appalled that on Saturday night in a really good restaurant in LA that that kid didn't know how, I said to, I said to the manager, I said, I'm sure he knows how to make other things, but I can't, in this, in LA with the, wealthy older people that live in Malibu are you telling me I'm the only person that asked for Manhattan I don't think so Do you know what I mean? right right uh -huh. so anyway and and you have every right to complain not complain just state the obvious state the obvious that's what I, I I'm not a complainer Liz but I am one of those people if someone all of a sudden says to me how was that I'll say oh do you mm -hmm. want the truth because not everybody wants the truth mm -hmm. you know? because I go out of my way to rave about places that have high standards exactly and that's my joy is to recommend really great places i love to do that if if i don't get good service i just won't get i just won't go back i have to tell you we were talking the other day before this when you and i connected then there was an article in um san francisco newspaper that tattishes which has been in san francisco for 171 years right. might be not make it through the pandemic you know they're trying they've run out of their government money the owners that have owned it i mean this is but i grew up in a place like tattishes okay that was we went to restaurants like that when i posted that on facebook an old high school friend said to me you know i had a my first martini at tattishes which they're famous for yeah and he's and he's a very sophisticated and he's been all over the world and he said and i'm not sure i've ever had one that was better than that Mm -hmm. And see, that's what mm -hmm. I think of, like, you know, when you're talking about the restaurants you interviewed, when it's a perfect cocktail or a perfect glass of wine at the right temperature in the right glass, that's a memory. Right. You know, it was funny doing this book. I actually made all the cocktails. It's all real. Oh, how fun. And then I have, I have a photo box and I took the, I staged everything and I took the photographs. But my son, who's 24, he tested them. Oh, how fun. I know, it's so much fun. And some of them, you know, I'm, uh, and that brings up something that I think I have observed this, is that friends will come in, two or three friends, and say, you know, I think, because there'll be a, a list of specials for the evening or something, yeah. or for the holiday. And they say, let's try that. I've never had one before. You know, let's try, you know, like the Harvey Wallbanger. His yes. cousin was the Freddie Fudbucker. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something silly, you, you know, and that they can share it together or have that. They, they educate, they're educating themselves. Now, did, you fun doing it. Yeah. did your 24 year old son like some of the old cocktails? Oh, did yeah. He, like he liked a few of them, definitely. Uh, my Bloody Mary is is my secret is to put everything in the glass first before you put the ice in got it okay and make it plain to the customer what you're doing because you want it to uh you want all the flavors to meld i love it mm -hmm. and now you know 
Bloody Marys can, I mean, they look like a bouquet of flowers. They got all kinds of stuff going on. Now, we've taken that one too far. <laughs> when I see a Bloody Mary that has got like a half a roasted chicken on it, I think, no, that's not right. I'm making a judgment call. I'm thinking some all kinds of stuff. We've gone too far. We've gone too far. <laughs> if you could have dinner and drinks with anyone in history, would um, in the world, in today's world, who would you want to see? I always think to myself sometimes, I've, and this is not to make it sound like me, 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 but I wish sometimes I could have a cocktail set with myself when I was 16 or 17. Do you know what I mean? Like people wrote letters, they'll write letters, would you tell your younger self? I wish that I could see what I really was like at 16, because of course I only have these memories. But I would tell myself after two cocktails, a whole lot of truth. <laughs> sure. Or if it was in history, I or I would love to have had, I'd love to have dinner with the Obamas. Do you know what I mean? I think it would be fascinating to have dinner with the Obamas because well, they're lovely. There's a lot of famous people who have lived in Santa Cruz. Uh, next to Santa Cruz, um, about five minutes away is Scotts Valley and Alfred Hitchcock had a home here. And I would love to have cocktail with him or served. I would love to have served him a cocktail. I, I, I do have um, something I can tell you, a good story. Um, at Adolph's Italian Family Restaurant, um, they're uh, one of the most famous people that walked in, man. His shoulders were about four feet wide. <laughs> Very handsome, had a wonderful bright white turtleneck on. And he sat down and he had, you know, raviolis or something. It was Reggie Jackson. <gasps> oh my God. He was so cordial, so very nice, big tipper, just the most pleasant person. He was talking with someone about perhaps investing in a Porsche dealership or something in Santa Cruz. And because he's a car guy. But I mean, it it's the kind of thing where you get over being starstruck because you just want to make sure that they're happy with their meal and yes, uh, we're going to leave you alone. But it's a, it was thrilling. One of the things I, I couldn't agree more and as in catering, Liz, one of my favorites was that I was called and asked to work when Elizabeth Taylor had first started her AIDS foundation. So I got to go to her home, but and I went to first met her in an office. But my favorite part of her, when you're saying that, was the same thing. She was just beautiful, all done up. Do you know what I mean? She was all done. She was Liz Taylor. Yeah. And then when I said hi, I'm Denise Vivaldo, and she said I'm Elizabeth Taylor, and I said I knew that, and she laughed. She thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. But I thought, lady, who do you think I grew up under a rock? Right. I always think that when you see celebrities, I mean, I've had encounters with some celebrities that doesn't matter. And there were other ones that you just, it's, it's a treat. It's like serving Alfred Hitchcock a drink would have been fun. I agree with you. I know. And, and I can think of all kinds of icebreakers, but that would be really wonderful to have met Liz Taylor. And she was, and she was just exactly what you think she was. She watched the room. Liz, that's, and later on when I had a second encounter with her where she was eating my food, she had good manners mm -hmm. and she had that little breathy voice 
and she was the queen. You know what I mean? I mean, she knew who she was. It sure. was wonderful. It was wonderful. And, uh, to, for uh, serving to people who appreciate that. Yes. That's exactly. Don't look down on you as a subservient person. And I, no. believe me, I, I wiped and washed a lot of ashtrays, <laughs> put up with a lot of weird personal questions. But then as a bartender, I just knew that, you know, I just stand and take it to a point. But I feel that um, the, the personality of a restaurant includes the personality of a bartender. Absolutely. And uh, their, their knowledge, yes, but it's that draw. Thank you so much for your time, Liz. And I have to thank Cindy and I thank you. And please contact us after you've listened to Liz. If you've got questions, just come to our Facebook page and ask us any questions. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Bye.